I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome, Vicki. How are you today? I'm very well, Patty. I hear that this is May Elder Abuse Awareness Month. I don't know much about that. Can you explain it? Patty, I'm so glad that you brought that up. May is Elder Abuse Awareness Month, and we know that in the United States, it's estimated that one out of every 10 seniors, and by seniors, we mean people age 65 and older, has been a victim of abuse, shocking though that sounds, Mm -hmm. and one in five has been victimized by financial exploitation. So we also know that as 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 every day, cases of elder abuse are increasing. And the sad thing is, Patty, that abuse remains largely hidden. It's very under-recognized and under-reported. So for every case that is reported, they estimate that about 23 are not. And abuse can take many different forms, physical, emotional, financial, neglect, And Patty, this is what's really sad. In more than two-thirds of substantiated cases, the perpetrator is a family member in a caregiving role. So we really need to bring awareness to this problem because elder abuse is associated with an increased risk of premature morbidity and mortality. And we know that now seniors are particularly vulnerable with the shelter-in-place orders. Yeah, social isolation is one of the strongest predictors of elder abuse. And we know that there has been a massive increase in the United States in reports of elder abuse during the pandemic. So now more than ever during Elder Abuse Awareness Month, we need to be vigilant And Patty, we have signs posted in our office and elsewhere. If you see or hear something, say something. Mm -hmm. So call APS if you have a question and they can do an investigation. Or if you see something disturbing, call law enforcement and ask for a welfare check. So I just wanted to make that pitch today and uh, let everybody know that uh, this is Elder Abuse Awareness Month, and please help us to be vigilant. Oh, it's so very sad, Vicki. I think that we so often think of child abuse, and we're on the lookout for that, but perhaps, you know, in general, it is necessary to have this Awareness Month because I don't think many of us think about elder abuse. That's really true, and as I said at the beginning, it's very unrecognized and underreported, and that's why we need to focus some attention on this very serious problem because, Patty, every person, regardless of age, deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. So please, people, do your part to honor and protect our vulnerable seniors. That is true. And I can see why the person themselves might hide it. Because, for instance, if it was uh, a family member who was caring for them, but was not caring for them in a caring way, they might be worried about their loved one who is not behaving correctly. And so it is a problem, maybe even for the person themselves to report it. Absolutely. And that's why it's so underreported, because people don't want to get a family member in trouble. 
-hmm. Plus, they're embarrassed that this family member might be abusing them. They're fearful if they report it, the caretaker might get angry with them and then leave them and they would have no one to take care of them. Yes. And I know dementia is a problem and not to lump all elders into uh, that pot. I certainly don't mean to do that, but it is you're at increased risk of dementia as you get older, and it can be hard to handle. And perhaps the family member or the caregiver needs special training to be able to know how to handle that correctly. So it certainly is a complicated issue, but it does nobody any favors if it's not reported. So that's a absolutely point. we need we need to be able to do an intervention and get people help. So exactly, think of it as getting yeah. people help. So don't be afraid to report it. Now, Vicky, would they call the fraud hotline for that? Or would you suggest they call someone else? I would suggest calling APS. And I can also uh, give you an emergency number to report abuse. And this goes directly to law enforcement. So here is that number. It's 805-683-2724. And I'll say that again. 805 683 2724. Thank you so much, Vicki. And one more thing. I know that oftentimes when you suspect child abuse of a parent, you don't have to report who you are So, because a lot of people are afraid that it'll come back to them. Is it the same way with elder abuse where the person won't find out who reported it? Yes, it is, Patty. You don't have to give a name. You can be anonymous, especially if you're reporting to APS, uh, unless you're a mandated reporter, and those are usually people in the medical profession or caretaking profession. You do not have to give a name. If you're just an ordinary citizen, you don't have to give your name. So please don't hesitate on that account. Right. Well, thank you for clarifying that, Vicki. And now on to another type of abuse, which can also be devastating. Uh, you know, the scams that we report on. What do you have for us today, Vicki? Well, today I'm going to start with a story that I came across in the Baker Fraud Report, which is a publication that I highly recommend for those who want to stay abreast of the latest scams and schemes. That's the Baker Fraud Report, and you can get it online. So the headline for this story is Brooklyn Man Accused of Stealing Stimulus Checks Out of Mailboxes. And this story demonstrates the kind of criminal activity that seems to be on the rise everywhere and also here in Santa Barbara, and that's mail theft. Wow, I know you've warned us about this, but now that some of us are due to receive government stimulus checks, it makes sense that we need to be extra careful with our mail. So what happened in Brooklyn? Well, unfortunately for this crook, police officers were on the scene when he was committing his crimes. This happened in the early morning hours in a Brooklyn neighborhood before anything was open. And the officers first saw the crook look inside a medical collection bin at a closed medical office. From there, he walked to a nearby residential building and looked at their mail. And then he walked into the gated area of another apartment building. Oh, my goodness. He was being very thorough or shopping around. He sure was. And when he left those locations, he appeared to be carrying mail. So the officers stopped him. 
They saw a large bulge in his pocket. They searched him. They found government stimulus checks, stolen credit cards, bank statements, and other checks. Was this bad luck on the fraudster's part that the officers happened to be present when he was stealing the mail? Well, actually, an alert resident saw what was going on and called the police, and they were able to arrive on time to observe his criminal activity. So that's how they were able to stop him and also search him. This sounds a lot like what Sean Dyer from Montecito Bank and Trust was talking about when she was on the show recently. The bank was experiencing an influx of altered checks, which presumably were stolen. That's right. And I've had a couple of recent reports about this very same thing. And in both cases, uh, people reporting to me, the victims deposited their envelopes with checks written to pay bills in those big blue post office bins that you see on the street. And Incidentally, on May 5th, crooks stole mail from a postal bin on East Cannon Perdido. And apparently, one of the ways that they get checks out of a mailbox is to put cardboard covered with glue and a string attached down into the mail slot and pull it out and they can get gobs of mail that way. Oh, my goodness. So I guess the days of dropping your mail in the blue boxes isn't safe anymore. That's right. And they have various ways of retrieving mail from those bins. So sometimes when mail is deposited into a bin, the crooks have lined the opening, the inside of the opening with a trash bag. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're very clever with what they do. So we also know of incidents where the thieves, obviously working at night when no one's around, have actually sawed off the legs of the bin and taken the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that they can do that in plain sight. That's right. So what about our own mailboxes at the end of our driveway or out on the street? Are those safe? Not unless they're securely locked. Because thieves routinely go up and down the streets in a car, one person driving slowly and one person getting out of the car and emptying the mailboxes. We have a recent video of that happening in Santa Barbara at night. It's interesting because the car stops just briefly to let the passenger get out and get the mail, then drives slowly on to the next mailbox. And Patty, I've known people who have had their mail stolen in this way. The, t- the thieves will typically drive to a secluded spot, quickly open the envelopes, take what they want, and throw the rest away. And a friend of mine found the spot in her neighborhood where the thieves park. She said she could actually see pieces of her mail on the other side of a fence where they had thrown them. My goodness. So what is your best advice to protect yourself? Well, either invest in a locked mailbox at your residence, which I actually have, or mail letters by going directly into the post office and handing your mail to somebody at the counter. Right. Is it a little safer if you use the boxes at the post office instead of going in? Because I'm thinking about the long lines. No, it actually is not. We have had mail stolen from mailboxes, the postal bins, right outside the post office. I understand your concern about the lines, but if all you're doing is dropping off stamped mail, in other words, it's already got a stamp on it, go to the head of the line and just very quietly leave your mail lying on the counter with the mail person. No one will object to that. 
And another thing, be sure to shred mail that has any personal information. Now, in the Brooklyn case, the crook was seen dumpster diving at a medical collection bin at a closed medical facility. And dumpster diving is a great way for crooks to get your mail. So be sure and shred anything that has personal information on it before you toss it away. If it winds up in a collection bin, it is a potential gold mine for crooks. Oh, my goodness. So I don't personally have a mail shredder. Maybe most people do. I know quite often banks and other places have an event where you bring in your mail to be shredded. Do you know more about that, Vicki? Well, I don't actually have a mail shredder either. But what I do is if I have a personal piece of mail that I'm going to throw in the trash, I take the little address piece that has my name, my address, and I tear that up into little pieces. I look through what I'm going to toss. And any time that I see on that mail that I'm going to toss, anything that has personal information, an account number, my phone number, my bank account number, I tear that section up into little pieces before I throw it out. Well, that's really good advice, Vicki. I'm going to start doing that. It might take a few minutes more rather than just tossing everything in the mail, but I imagine credit card offers and all kinds of things could be used by a crook. And I don't know what other ways they use it, but I'm sure you have some ideas. That's right. They do love to get a hold of those credit card offers. So be particularly careful with those and also those courtesy checks. So here's how they use the information that they get when they steal your identity. Let's say you have a prescription bottle that you've thrown away along with your phone bill. You might get a phone call from someone pretending to be from your pharmacy telling you they need your bank account number or your credit card number because your records are incomplete and they need this information to fill your prescription. And if they get a copy of your bank records, which usually has just the last four numbers of your account, they might call and identify themselves as calling from the bank and give you the last four numbers of your account. They'll say there's a problem with your account, maybe some suspicious activity, and they need you to verify your entire account number along with other personal information. And then they can use this information to create checks and steal your money. Wow. These crooks are really professionals. I hate to give them that credit, but they're very skillful at what they do. That's true. And that's why it's so important to guard your personal information and shred before you toss something in the trash that has personal information on it. Because we don't want to hear about any more money lost because of stolen checks. Well, thank you for another very informative Scam Squad, Vicki. And before you share your good news, uh, would you remind people of the fraud hotline number? Yes. Area code 805-568-2442. And I know Vicki welcomes calls from people if they just suspect a scam. You can talk it out with her. She certainly had a lot of experience and she can guide you. That's for sure. So I can't wait for the good news. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we, we actually do have some good news. The Department of Justice always sends out daily announcements about the latest COVID-19 scams, and they are promising vigorous prosecution of anyone engaged in these scams. But, and here's the but, people have to report. So here is some good news. A Georgia man was arrested for submitting fraudulent testing claims for COVID-19 tests. Apparently, and here's the quote, 
This man saw the spread of COVID-19 as nothing more than an opportunity to profit personally, and he offered kickbacks in exchange for medically unnecessary tests. So he went around trying to find people that were willing to sign up for tests, and then he submitted fraudulent testing claims and got money, and of course, people did not get their tests. Good news, they did arrest him, and they will be prosecuting him. Well, that is good news. Some of these fraudsters, or I would say all of them have no shame, that's for sure. Well, Vicki, we look forward to talking again next week, and thank you for the very timely warnings and the good news. We appreciate it. Thanks, Patty. Until next week. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye.